Welcome to the Dry Eye Coach podcast series, Click on Dry Eye, your insider pass to the most exclusive dry eye topic. The series will raise awareness about the current and future state of ocular surface disease. The podcast will focus on a variety of topics. In today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with our friend and colleague, Dr. Bila Yusufova, um, who practices in Portland, Oregon. And we're going to talk to her about modern treatment for drooping lids. Welcome, Mila. Thank you so much for having me. Now, uh, I know that you and I have Portland pretty well covered because I've got the west side and you're in South Portland, right? Yes. Why don't you tell us about your stunningly beautiful practice? What, what kind of modality are you in? Oh, thank you so much. You're too kind. Um, I love having you in Portland with me. Um, so I've been practicing optometry for the for almost 15 years, and I opened my practice in Portland, Oregon, in South Waterfront. So it's called South Waterfront Eye Care uh, in 2013. And pretty early in my practice, I decided that I wanted to do more for my patients struggling with dry eye disease. As you, Tracy and Walt, you can relate, I'm sure. It's frustrating to treat patients for dry eye and not get the results. And so um, over the years, I've invested in all the new tools and technologies to really, and myself too, to really understand and treat dry eye disease, which is what I love to do. I love treating dry eye. And with that, um, really over the time, uh, over the years, I've developed, that's, that's kind of dry eyes led me to other interests specifically like nutrition, to study nutrition, and also dabble a little bit in, in aesthetics. So that's Definitely an amazing part of your practice. I love it so much. Yeah, we love that practice. It sounds like both of our practices. And uh, <laughs> and like I said earlier, it's, it's great to, to meet you and finally connect with you. And we're so excited to have you on, on this podcast. And so even though our focus is more on dry eye, you know, we look at these saggy, baggy lids all the time. And so can you talk to us about how addressing ptosis and these baggy lids has impacted your practice? Because you just mentioned you started to get in aesthetics. Yeah, so for me, it's, it's been kind of a natural, like organic transition or sort of a, you know, we're already in the, um, we're looking at eyes and patients coming in specifically for, if it is for dry eye, um, it's allowed me to kind of step outside of just, you know, looking, you know, prescribing contacts or glasses and, and go more with uh, obviously with medical um, practice, but it, it's, it's also allows me to discuss these options that patients may not be aware of, right? So when patient comes in, they may not necessarily think that there are some options that are non-surgical. They may not bring it up to you. And when I do talk to them about like radio frequency or prescription eye drops, um, they're happy, they're thrilled, and they want to hear more. So you find that patients, you know, it's kind of a tricky thing when you bring up, you know, a physical, um, you know, age-related change. Do patients, are they really receptive about um, talking about their droopy lids? Absolutely. I mean, you know, an example of this happened a couple of weeks ago. I had a patient came in. She was 48. You know, she's not, um, she's not older patient, but she's saying, She's on Zoom all day long and she's um, tired of, you know, seeing, she, she, she specifically said in the beginning of the day, my eyes look nice and white and open. I mean, now she's also a dry eye patient, but um, 
towards the end of the day at the, you know, maybe her fifth or sixth uh, Zoom call uh, meeting of the day, she's noticing that her eyelids are droopier and she looks more tired. And um, so again, it's, it's good to be that provider for those patients where I can say, hey, um, you know, you, you may not be ready for surgery and this is not a, this is a mild case of droopy eyelids. So we're not ready to do surgical consult yet, but there are some options that we can talk about. And she was thrilled. She was, you know, she, uh, for her, we started on uh, with, with her with apneic, but there are other treatments that we'll get into in a little bit um, that work for other patients as well. You know, one of the things that we do within our practice, we, we have that, that picture that has the different droopy levels. Mm-hmm. It's, it's with their intake form. So the, by the time they come to us, we're like, you know, we're like, okay, well, they need to have this discussion because it's already been brought up just right when they, they, they came into the practice. So, uh, you know, so, you know, you identify the patients with the droopy lids and, and, you know, we can talk about the drops and we can talk about surgery. And the reason why we're bringing this up is because lid issues do affect the ocular surface and dry eye, and especially patients who've had, you know, Botox or if they've had uh, blepharoplasty, that can happen as well. So when you're making that referral, do you differentiate between lid versus brow ptosis, or do you just talk about the droopiness and then defer that to the, the surgeon? You know, when it's severe cases, I tend to defer them. You know, if it's if it's going to be a surgical case, um, uh, again, an example of a case of, of patient. I keep, uh, had a patient who was 86 year old came in and she said she was holding her eyelids up while she was reading the news, uh, the, the morning paper, you know? So in those cases, it's, it's, it's a surgical and, and I, you know, discuss the, uh, the surgery and, and coordinate the uh, referral and uh, follow up with the patient. So um, as dry eye doctors, we're obviously we're also, yes, aware of bad surgery. So really having a, um, a good surgeon that you have a good uh, relationship with and that, that they that you can see these patients back, making sure that they don't have any lag ophthalmos or, you know, corneal uh, exposure after surgery. Um, so co-management is very important. And um, a lot of times it's the ones that are uh, coming in for more severe I, I go straight to consultation and surgical with oculoplastic and I don't really do any of the in-office treatments. If there's too much skin, there's not a whole lot that we can do um, in our offices for that. So more milder cases, I know that's I know that's what I'm doing for in-office things. But if the skin is redundant, if you know, if you basically got a second pocket for Demodex to, you know, breed in, it's time for surgery, right? Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about these topical treatments? Because I think you mentioned um, apneic, which is um, oxymetazoline. What is it um, and how are your patients um, accepting this uh, novel medication? Yeah, it's, you know, as you know, I got FDA approval last year and it's been uh, a great, you know, we didn't really have a solution like this or an option for patients. It's an alpha adrenergic agonist, so it works on the Mueller muscle. So it uh, causes contraction, um, which lifts the eyelid temporarily. And it's actually, the half-life is pretty good. It's, uh, I think it's from six to 13 hours, so average of eight hours. So it gives a pretty good you know, duration. Um, so patients that use it in the morning or maybe you know, right before their uh, meeting start and, and it covers them pretty much all day. And I love that it's preserved, 
preservative free, right? So that's a huge thing for us as dry eye ducks. Um, so that's that that was a, an important thing for me to look for. I always look for, for that BAK, you know, <laughs> um, if medications have BAK, I'm very cautious about them. So we have the drops and then, you know, we wanted to get into radio frequency and we know you do a lot of that and that's one of your interests. Uh, can you talk about radio frequency applications in eye care, whether it's for the droopy lids, you know, its impact on uh, dry eye, uh, and how's it working for you in your practice? Oh, I love this treatment. So radio frequency has been around in aesthetics and dermatology for a long time. And um, just like, you know, intense pulse light IPL is that kind of stepped into the dry eye world. Uh, radio, frequency, radio frequency RF is the new um, treatment that now we've been implementing. So we've had it for about a year and a half, I believe in my practice. We've had IPL for longer, for about four years. And um, they're completely different. And we can talk about the differences, but specifically for radio frequency. So what it is, it's, a, uh, it's radio waves that are generating um, energy, heat in the tissue, in the skin. Uh, and um, it goes into the deeper, so there are two different kinds. There's monopolar and bipolar. The monopolar, which is what we use, goes into deeper layers of the dermis where they work on the fibroblast cells. So fibroblasts and that regenerates new collagen and elastin. So um, this is a, when I learned this statistic, I was shocked. Apparently after the age of, like in our mid twenties, you know, the, it's anywhere from 20 to 25, we start losing about one to two percent of our body collagen, our skin, per year, and with that comes wrinkles and saggy skin. And yes, so uh, and so what this does, this treatment actually boosts our own collagen production. So for us, again, on the skin or on our eyes, we're reducing you know wrinkles and tightening the skin, so that helps with lid laxity and and also um, can prevent like dermatitulases or chalases, however you say it. Um, so again, that can prevent droopy lids down the road, but the way we implement it for dry eye is that um, it produces, it generates that magic temperature, 40, that melts mybum, 42, uh, about 42, but it can go higher, but we we'll use 42 degrees of Celsius um, on, around the eye. So that is enough to melt mybum so that way we can express glands easier, which is very different from IPL, right? So IPL is a light therapy, so it's not radio waves. It's a light that um, targets vasculature. So for rosacea patients, for eyelid telangiectasia, that's the most more appropriate treatment, but they kind of complement each other really well. So, you know, once we treat the inflammation on the eyelids with IPL, with intense pulse light, then we can add radio frequency to melt the myobum to um, heat those glands enough for us to be able to express the glands. So again, when a patient comes in, if I'm, if they're dry eye patients, they have MGD. Um, you know, we have lipoflow in our office, we have myboflow. So we, we talk about different options, but when I say, hey, I can treat your dry eye, but I can also smooth out the wrinkles around your eyes and uh, potentially prevent, you know, droopy lids down the road, with radio frequency, of course, you know, that's a win-win. Patients really are excited about that option. It's um, it's FDA approved actually. So radio frequency does have an FDA approval to treat rytids or wrinkles 
around the eye. So it is an FDA approved therapy for wrinkles. Um, a lot of us, again, are using it off label because it does reach that magic temperature, like you mentioned, uh, Mila. So and in a perfect world, I would love for every patient to have both of these because they IPL and radio frequency because they hit two different things and they work so well hand in hand. Well, since you two know all the answers on all this, because I, I have no experience with radio frequency. Uh, so how many treatments are they doing for radio frequency? Is it a one time or is it a four time like IPL? Can you speak to that? So in our clinic, we have, um, you know, I used to do all these treatments myself in, in the beginning, but we have a, our office is kind of a boutique style. There's only one exam lane. So I found that it was taking a lot of chair time. So now I have two uh, advanced estheticians doing my treatments. Um, so for, uh, for skin results, we want multiple treatments. So we want, we recommend, and again, my esthetician might recommend more than I do, depending on the page, a patient's skin and you know what, how much laxity there is. And so that's kind of, I really like that team approach where I recommend it for dry eye, but then my esthetician, you know, will say, you know what, to get rid of or to lift your eyebrow or eye, eyes a little bit more, we need, uh, um, you know, maybe two extra treatments. So typically about four treatments, but it may be more than that, depending on patient's age. Um, for gland expressions, again, even one-time treatment essentially in theory could warm the glands and, and you can express them well enough after doing series of IPL treatments. So it's case by case, but I would typically recommend series of treatments to get the aesthetic results along with the dry eye treatments. So, so you did mention you have several different treatment options. And did I hear you that how you decide between IPL and, and, and radio frequency and Tracy, please feel free to jump in as well. Is it when they have the rosacea, the telangiectasia? Is that how you're making that, uh, that decision? Yes, yes. So um, radio frequency generates heat. So if patient has rosacea and a lot of telangiectasia and inflamed and puffy lids, we don't wanna add more heat to that. So we don't wanna, those are not good candidates for radio frequency. We do IPL first, calm down the lids and reduce inflammation. Then they, we might do a radio frequency. If there's too much still inflammation, I don't recommend radio frequency. We might just do a lipoflow on them, one-time treatment. So it's case by case. And you know, I love having all these tools and technologies, but what, knowing the right patient or, not, or the, treat, the right treatment for the appropriate patient makes it more effective treatment. Um, just like, you know, not everybody's an IPL candidate, not everybody's a radio frequency candidate. So we really um, select the treatments for, you know, accordingly for the patient condition. You know, we're all fortunate to have multiple technologies and procedures to offer our patients. Um, Tracy, I, I, I'm just gonna ask you as well on this one. So do you already have that decision made up? Are you not discussing every one of these options with patients? Because you're gonna be there forever. No, um, after I do my after I do my consult, I have a pretty good idea of what's causing underlying uh, what's causing underlying dryness. Is it coming from a skin condition? Is it something like rosacea, or is it something coming from the inside of them, like rheumatoid arthritis or the Sjogren's condition? I'm really tailoring the specific indication for the machine to the particular patient. So I tell the patient what I recommend, what I think is the absolute best for them. And then if that somehow is outside of their financial wheelhouse or window, then we scale back. But I'm always tailoring the type of dry eye to the treatments and how their indications go together. 
So rosacea, absolutely. Um, I feel like we see a lot of rosacea in Portland. Probably you see a lot too, Dr. Riesel, right? And it's just, it's rampant everywhere. So I'm pulling out my, you know, my light, my intense pulse light for that one. Um, if it's somebody that's, that's more concerned about aesthetics and a little bit of my bony and gland dysfunction from occupational issues, then that might be where I'm pushing the patient towards uh, radiofrequency. You have to go for why the patient is dry and kind of match it with that. But no, I don't have time and neither does my dry concierge or my helper um, to go through every single treatment. It's the treatment that fits the patient best. And I tell them what they need. That's what really? they want. They don't, they don't want to spawn menu. They want you to tell them what they need yeah. because you're the expert and they've been other places generally before they've come to see, um, to see us as um, leaders in the dry space. They want us to tell them what they need. Absolutely. Mila, anything to add on that? Yeah, I agree 100%. And, you know, this is why I love dry eye because, you know, it's challenging. So it challenges me to constantly learn. And, um, you know, it's, it's multifactorial disease. So we know that there's a lot of factors. So really, it's kind of like putting the pieces of the puzzle together to, to figure out what's causing their dry eye because everybody's dry eye is different. And um, formulating a treatment plan for that specific patient. And that's what works well, you know, we're not, we're all different. Um, and, and that's kind of why I've pursued also nutrition, because I've found that um, if we don't address that, if we don't address that, you know, whether it's systemic inflammation and um, their lifestyle, you know, sleep and their, you know, stress levels, there's so many factors in it. And, and I love that again, when we started, you know, uh, seems like even 10 years ago, we didn't have as much information on dry eyes as we do now. So it's just ever evolving field. Um, so that's really exciting and, and I love it. I just got a million more questions, but my next one is, uh, what are you using to talk to your patients about efficacy? Yeah, you know, so I feel like it, radio frequency right now is where maybe IPL was, um, you know, 15 years ago. When um, I, I think Dr. Toyo started it like early 2000s and started doing small studies, you know, and um, and it was probably also anecdotal treatment back then. And now we have like it's FDA approved treatment for dry eye. So radio frequency, you know, we don't have a whole lot of studies. You know, um, one of the small studies Dr. Jacoma did where he compared he did an um, lipoflow in one eye and then radio frequency treatment in the other in the fellow eye. And you know, it was a small study. I think it was only ten subjects, but the results were um, that they were equivalent. So the, the outcome on on all, all metrics were the same between the two treatments. And we do have new tr new studies that are coming out. I think we're going to have more. There's definitely more studies in dermatology for the uh, you know skin tightening and all that. So we do have good evidence for um, for the skin treatment. And for eyes, I think we'll have more, um, you know, in, in, down the road in the future. I totally agree that the dermatological journals are where we have to start, especially when we're looking at problems stemming from the skin. So I actually started learning a lot more about intense pulse light and radio frequency from reading dermatological journals and um, searching for those first rather than eye journals. We absolutely do know um, the temperature at which MIBA melts. And there's been a different, there's a number of different technologies that are out there for expression. So if you can um, document and know that you're getting the eyelids to a very specific temperature, 
we know that mime is going to melt at that temperature. So while we don't have specific studies outside of some of the work that um, Edupoma has done, we definitely have a body of research that's been done that shows a particular heat combined with expression absolutely does work. So maybe we should do a study. <laughs> we should. I know we both have units. <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll have more. I think there's going to be more. And um, again, it's it's just, it, it doesn't replace what we have, but it definitely complements um, IPL treatment. And they're def, you know, we see good clinical results with it. Did that answer your question, Waltz? And yes, then, it did. Thank you. Again, and aesthetics is just a bonus. You know, that's the thing is, is patients um love that when when i tell them i can treat your dry eye but also your wrinkles they're like yes sign me up <laughs> and, or you know with like intense pulse light you know i'm, I'm going to take care of your dry but by the way where, where i'm treating you for your dry is also going to take that severe redness out of your cheeks it's a lot of people are concerned about the out-of-pocket cost of these things but what they don't realize is that a lot of patients that are coming to see us have already done cosmetic procedures to try to help their skin. They're just not disclosing it unless we are very particular and ask about it. Yeah. I know I don't ask specifically about things like Botox. Nobody tells me unless I specifically point it out because I know I know your forehead's supposed to move right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, this has been a great discussion there, Mila. Do you have any uh, final pearls when it comes to the modern treatment of droopy lids or dry eye? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think this is such an exciting time to be practicing optometry. We have so many cool tools and resources. Um, and we're already kind of in the business of aesthetics a little bit, right? We sell beautiful um, frames and we provide contact lenses and contact and colored contact lenses for patients. So it, we are the right providers to talk about that, to talk about not, um, aesthetics and non-surgical options uh, for uh, droopy lids when it's mild to moderate, when patients may not know that there are some options. So we should just, you know, I encourage my colleagues to just start a discussion and ask patients and, um, and talk about the options that we have right now. So what you're saying is we all should get into cosmetometry, is that correct? <laughs> well, you can just dabble, just like, you know, I'm dabbling a little bit. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, uh, well, hey, we love your enthusiasm and your expertise. So thank you so much, Mila, for your time and expertise in helping us address patients with uh, drooping lids and dry eye. Thank you for having me.